Welcome to another edition of the Superflight NBA Show, your Alphonse Mucha of NBA shows, because just like the drawings and paintings of Alphonse Mucha, this show is very flowery and yet very graphic, right? Okay. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite Brooklynite, 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 Joe Borelli, come at you from my studio and guess where? Brooklyn, New York. That's right. Funny thing about Brooklyn, there's a number of Brooklyns around. I didn't even realize this. I was talking to someone in a bar a couple of weeks ago because once in a while I need to get a drink. Um, and the, she was a dispatcher for a trucking company. And she was like, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, from Brooklyn because I was in Pennsylvania. And she's like, which Brooklyn? <laughs> I'm like, what? She's like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of Brooklyns. I'm like, Brooklyn, New York. She's like, oh, because there's Brooklyn here, and I have to ship things here, and I have to ship things over. I was like, whoa, this is really interesting. I didn't realize there was one more, more than one Brooklyn. And even if there is, I didn't realize that you would actually mistake, you know, Brooklyn for some other small town called Brooklyn. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an arrogant ass. It's probably true. Anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, it is Tuesday, September 19th. We recorded this show last night. And I haven't been able to get around to editing it and putting it up until now. So now you get it. Probably tomorrow you'll hear it. Um, the wonderful Tim Tompkins from Driving Dish and uh, the Solar Panel Podcast uh, is joining me today or yesterday to talk about the Phoenix Suns. And we get into like, you know, a bunch of uh, their upcoming season. It's a season preview that I keep telling you guys I'm going to do. So stick around for that. It'll be fun. In the meantime... I got to go to a wedding this weekend in Pennsylvania. That was fun. Um, you know, it was kind of spur of the moment. I was a uh, best man, and I got to do a little beat, of, a little bit of DJing. I've never DJed before, which is, I mean, I, it was sort of impromptu DJing too. I mean, I did it all through. I did it all through the phone. I didn't have like turntables or anything like that. I was just, just kicking it. You know, getting music playing on the on the sound system there with, with the phone and uh, playing music so people can dance in the field because it was in a field. Like, well. A patch of grass, a lawn, a lawn next to a a uh, garage, and I forget. I always forget how awfully, disgustingly humid and sweaty Pennsylvania can be in the summertime. And late summer, man, late August, early September, it's just like a swamp. It's like you're swimming through air. It's it's really tough, and. You know, I'm all dressed up. We're out there dancing. There's like citronella candles everywhere. So it's really hot and there's smoke in your eyes. Whatever. Nonetheless, we had a really good time. Danced around a bit. Congratulations to Laura and Steve. You're going to be a wonderful couple. And I wish you both many, many years of life and love together. Um, and what else? Work's been crazy. You know, work as we all have it. Uh, I can't can't complain because at least I'm not stuck in a hurricane or with an earthquake. Second one uh, for for Mexico within like a week. So this one was a 7.1, I think. And already 45 people have killed. Listen, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be negative. Or, uh, and listen, Myanmar, they're, they're being ethnically cleansed. And there's horrible things going all over the world. Our moron of a president has said that he's going to destroy North Korea. We all know he's just pandering because he's too dumb to actually think about anything he says. I mean, I can relate because I can't think about anything I say either, but I don't think I'm that dumb. Um, maybe you disagree. In any case, if you want to reach out and let me know, you have a number of ways to do so. You can get in touch with the show by uh, Twitter. You can tweet at the show at Superflight Pod. You can tweet at me personally at Joe Borelli. You can email the show at superflightpodcast at gmail.com. 
You can find the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, CLNS Radio Network, or the CLNS Media Network or something. And we're partnered with them. And the Almighty Bauer Network, where you can find everything and you can listen to a bunch of stuff. Um, the NBA season is fast approaching. We're all excited. I can't wait. I'm really starting the Jones for some stuff. So I'm going to have a bunch of good guests come on again. Very soon, we're going to do some dives into more teams and some previews for the upcoming season. Uh, might even do a season preview, preseason predictions by myself like I did last year and see how many of these things actually come true. Um, that's always fun for me, and I don't really need anybody else to do it because I just like to talk and hear myself, and you guys do too, so keep listening. Um, also, you know, if you go on iTunes, please leave a rating and a review because if you enjoy the show, the only way to get me to more ears is, well, one of the good ways is to leave a review and a rating. It helps the show climb up the charts and it helps people find the show. Or hell, just suggest to people that they listen to the show if you like it. I would appreciate it. Someday, I would really like to like quit my job and just make money doing this. Then I could do some really deep dives into the NBA and give you guys the content that you so deserve. And, you know, we can hang out more. Anyway, uh, I don't have a whole lot this 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 evening so um without further ado i give you tim tompkins i'll be right back phoenix fans say it with me we are phx we are phx i want you to check out a brand new phoenix suns podcast called the solar panel a phoenix suns podcast tim tompkins greg esposito dave king for a weekly phoenix suns podcast you can find the solar panel phoenix suns podcast on itunes on stitcher on google play and sunspodcast.com we are phx we are phx Dude, braces are rough. They're really rough. Yeah. I mean, I had I had some really crooked teeth. I used to, back in the day when I smoked, I had a tooth that stuck out so far. Back when I used to smoke, I used to be able to stick a, to- uh, a cigarette in my mouth and just hold it between two teeth. And I'd be like, hey, look. And that's how far out the tooth stuck. So it just, it would stay there. That's really impressive. Yeah, it's great, right? It was my party trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure it got all the ladies. Oh, all the ladies. They loved it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah boy how are you how's things good man how was irma uh it was fine it was just uh it was like a a week straight of of urban coverage and um you know i was doing overnights at certain points Mm. and there were like days i just didn't know what day it was yeah you know because i'd like wake up at 11 o'clock at night and i'd work until you know noon the next day and I just I had no, I didn't know what day it was. It was like the weirdest fucking thing. That's crazy. Did but get, it, uh, it did you get to sleep in the studio at least a little bit? Yeah, yeah. You'd sleep for like two hours and go back on air. Ugh. You know, sleep for sleep for two or three hours, go back on air, and that kind of thing. Because you know you were huddled up in uh, a cubicle and a, a cubicle over in sales somewhere. You know, on the floor with a blanket. Oh my god, that sounds awful. It was. It was. It was miserable. I was just. I was so happy to get back home to the gym listening to basketball podcasts. Yeah. Even though there's no basketball but right now, but yeah. <laughs> it's it's wild how much we don't appreciate the mundane mm-hmm. and even hate it until it's taken from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's absolutely true. <laughs> it's totally true. Um, what was I going to ask you? Something about uh, how's the quitting smoking going? 
Uh, good. I just actually today is my first day without, um, you know, I was using my, my, uh, um, e-cig with just a zero nicotine mm-hmm. and it's sort of like a placebo. Today's my first day without that. Uh, I'm still on the gum, but you know, I can control my emotions <laughs> even, <laughs> That's even important. if it's, it's irritable at, at times. It's not, you know, uh, the, the world's not crumbling and shit like that. That's so. Good. That's important. How long have you been smoking? Oh, since I was 14 ish. Yeah, it takes a, and so, you know, I'm 34 now. So what is that? 20 years? Damn. Yeah. Uh, it's hard. So no, I'm, I'm good. To, I'm good to podcast. <laughs> good. All of a sudden I started thinking about dinner. I started, oh, meatless Mondays, man. I know you don't give a damn, but I'm doing this new meatless Mondays thing. Mm-hmm. And so today was, uh, these black bean burritos. Um, that I'm really excited about with a, a chipotle chili and uh, rice and everything in them. And I, I have the burritos. They're all done. I just gonna make them into a burrito thing. And it's 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 been so wonderful doing the meatless Mondays. You should try it. You think that I don't care, but my wife actually has me on a veggie diet for a while. Um, oh, yeah? I, for how long? Well, we've been cheating off and on. But she's trying to get me to eat way less meat because I eat meat for every meal, basically. So You shouldn't. You shouldn't. No, you really shouldn't. But I found these vegetarian sausages sausages that are delightful it's just that they have so much soy in them so like i'm i'm substituting one terrible thing for you with another terrible thing for you so i can't well meats meat's not bad for you in and of itself uh you know obviously there's like better you you tend to be good with uh you know fish and chicken and that kind of thing the wider the meat the better uh you want to stay away from red meat for obvious reasons but uh, the Mediterranean diet, for example, which is, you know, a heart healthy diet, mm-hmm. um, you can still eat red meat once a month, uh, but you eat a, a, a lot of fish and, and vegetables and different things like that. But it's super good for you. But there's meat in there. Just, you know, stay away from the red meat, stay away from the burgers and, and that kind of shit. I don't think you have to go quite vegetarian. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, I haven't been eating. I've been on a very limited red meat diet for probably about 20 years. I don't I don't really eat red meat very often. So I'm not that bad, you know. Once in a yeah. while, I'll have a burger, but it's just when we went on vacation, speaking in the Mediterranean, we went to Greece and we just, everything was meat. We ate meat so much, like all day long. Uh, it's surprisingly, they eat a lot of pig, pig and, and, uh, uh, goat. So that and was goat? everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm. That was good. Fish. I don't know about goat. I feel like goats are too smart to eat. No. Say the same thing about pig though, right? Yeah, they say pigs are really emotionally intelligent. They say Uh the same thing of cows. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I'm very emotionally intelligent. I hope nobody eats me. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's 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 good to have a uh, a high level of emotional intelligence. Yeah, I guess. Just don't be run by them when like they quit smoking. Anyway, Tim Tompkins, (laughs) welcome to the Superflight NBA show. Welcome back, my friend. I can't I can't believe it's it's been so long since last time we were on. Um, I think anybody that happened to have listened to that episode and is sitting there with their headphones on right now thinking, oh, I remember that, because why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. What was fun about that episode, Joe, was that we were all over the place. I think that you and I had both had a couple of beers that night, <laughs> and we podcasted for like two hours. And I had to somehow cut it down to like an hour and 20 minutes. Right. And so we each uploaded one uh, version of it, one on, on your pa- podcast and then one on mine, the, the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. And they were completely different podcasts. Mm-hmm. Did you get any feedback about that? 
I don't remember. It's been like six months. I'm, I'm sure the feedback was great. I'm sure we got a ton of new reviews that were left on iTunes because mm-hmm. everybody knows that's the easiest way to help out a podcaster is by leaving them a review. That's why you have so many, Joe. And I'm sure that we got a ton from you appearing on our podcast as well. Boom. Nice drop. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> seamless. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> you want to talk about some Phoenix Suns? You want to do a yeah. Phoenix Suns preview? Uh, the season's getting closer, isn't it's, it? About a month close. away. Yeah, I've been trying to knock out some season previews for as many teams as I can get to, and uh, it's going to be impossible to get them all done. But you know, I'm starting with my friends like you. Like, oh, I know what team you like. Let's do a podcast. So you could always do division previews. Yeah, could. We'll see. I have a couple things in the works. It's just uh, there's so lim- so much you know so limited time when you're a grown up and you have other things to do. Um, Anyway, Suns, let's talk about it. You want to start with the, their draft? I don't know if we talked about this, but they got the number four pick in the draft, and they selected Josh Jackson. Uh, they did, yeah. I mean, they, they got a couple of other guys as well, but yeah, they got Josh Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also got Davon Reed, who, of course, he's suffered an injury, and he's out for four to six months, so that's exactly what you want out of uh, your 3 and D shooting guard that you desperately need, given a lack of Brandon Knight. Mm-hmm. He was what, the number two pick in the second round? Is that correct? Uh, I mean, he was 31 to 32. So yeah, so, number yeah. two pick in the in the second read and second round, excuse me. Uh, and then they also got Alec Peters, uh, who we didn't, unfortunately, we didn't get to see during summer league because he was also injured. Uh, but the Suns knew that when they drafted him. And that was part of the reason why he fell so far. And he's really your, your prototypical uh, white stretch four. you know, think Ryan Anderson, but somebody that can actually dribble a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. You feel that? How do you feel about him? How do you feel about that pick? I mean, with it, what do you what do you really expect out of a late second rounder? Uh, not much. <laughs> <laughs> if he turns, if he gives you any minutes at all in the future, you're lucky. It, it, it's yeah. a quote unquote good pick. Um, yeah, man. I don't. I don't. Let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about their their number four pick, Josh Jackson. What do you think about Josh Jackson? How do you feel about the pick? How do you feel about his summer league performance? Because I I think he had. 17 and 9 over the course of the summer, right? Which, again, mm-hmm. as I say this all the time, it's summer league. It's against lesser competition. But still, they're NBA players, and they're, they're taking that next – they're on a bigger stage. They're taking that next step, and it's a prelude to things to come, hopefully. Um, are you worried about a shot? Are you, what do you think about his upside? I'm just going to give you a whole bunch of questions. You just answer them all. Go for it. Ready? One, two, three, go. Well, I mean, you can really only score against the players you're playing against, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just like you can only beat the teams that you're playing. So it's 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 one of those things where, for example, you have people that will look at the Eastern Conference and say, yeah, but all their all their games came uh, against teams in the East that aren't any good. Well, they're supposed to beat those teams. They are supposed to score against lesser talent. So, uh, you know, to that aspect, uh, you know, it's good. 17, um, nine uh, assist a game or a, a, a block, a block and a, a steal. You know, so he's a one, one and one guy. Uh, you know, if you're into fantasy basketball by uh, looking at it that way. But, you know, we aren't here to talk about fantasy basketball. Uh, it, to me, when I look at Josh Jackson, is, is that so what you have heading into this season, you have the the battle for the starting small forward spot, right? Mm-hmm. With TJ Warren, who has been biding his time patiently for the Suns. He waited through uh, PJ Tucker. He finally took that that starting job from him and uh, he had that weird head injury last year and so he's going into this season and it's a contract year for him and he should be the starting small forward but then you have the Phoenix Suns who went ahead and drafted Josh Jackson who if his shot begins to fall 
he could be the the best two way player in the draft. Um, and so I, you know, that's. So when you ask what do you think about Josh Jackson, there's a part of me that. Not that doesn't want him to fail. I just want so I want both guys to succeed so much. Yeah. That I don't want Josh Jackson to take off right away. That's that's fair. It's like picking your favorite son. Is that what you're saying? A, a little bit, a little bit. You know, <laughs> give it some space. Um, but no, I think he'll be really good. I think a lot of the reason why the the Suns drafted Josh Jackson is obviously to make up for some of Devin Booker's uh, defensive liabilities. Something I know that you had pointed out that you want to talk about later on in the show because you're a Devin Booker hater. I'm not a Devin Booker ha- Booker hater. Bah. That's hard to say. I'm not a hater. I'm just I, I'm I'm a little suspect of his upside. But go on. We're we're talking about <laughs> Josh Jackson. But I mean, no, he was good. Um, obviously, his shot is an absolute mess. We had Chris Axman, um, you know, the founder of the Almighty Baller Radio Network uh, that you're listening to right now. You're on the Superfly Podcast. <laughs> And in Vegas, and you know, I sat down with him, and I had him on uh, the Driving Dish NBA, and you know, we were talking about Josh Jackson's shot, and it reminded me of Stanley Johnson a couple of years ago, where I met Stanley Johnson at a Orlando summer league, and he was saying that he spent the last six months essentially reworking his shot altogether, mm-hmm. and so that's probably what needs to happen with Josh Jackson. Um, and if you're really going to succeed in the league, he's got to be able to space the floor a little bit. Uh, you know, that being said, he's a really good cutter. Um, he's really good in transition. He's really good around the rim. Uh, you know, we average about 18 points in college, 17 points through summer league. So it's not like he can't score. And really at the end of the day, does it matter how you get a bucket as long as you get one? No, not at all. It doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. As long as you get the bucket. The problem is when he's in the NBA now, his athletic ability is going to be matched by everybody else in the league. So it's not going to be easy to cut to the rim. It's not going to be easy to get those drives or as easy as it was when you're like super athletic and you're playing up against a bunch of other guys who are maybe less so getting around them is a lot easier than it will be when you're playing up against a bunch of guys that are equally as athletic as you. So that's where your shot becomes really important. And yeah, you mentioned his shot needs to be reworked. I, I totally agree with that. You know, Nerlens Noel, when he was in Philadelphia, they took him when he that year he was out. They took him and they rebuilt his shot from the ground up. It totally they had him working shooting with one hand only to start. And you could see the difference from the year when he came in, the shot he had in college to his first year of playing. It improved a whole lot. At least his mechanics did right. This shot's still not falling for him on a consistent basis, and it may get there in time, but it's something that, like, you're talking about when you've done something one way your entire life, say, shooting a basketball or smoking cigarettes, changing that habit is incredibly difficult. Smoking cigarettes is way easier to change, right? But I'm just saying because I've quit years ago. But it was hard. (laughs) It was hard to get over, and I know you know what I'm talking about. Um, But suppose you, you know... Even if you're playing an instrument and you, you like I had a trumpet teacher who told me when he first started playing trumpet, he was doing it the wrong way. And his, his trumpet teacher had to make him start all over again. And he always thinks that like he could have been better if he had started out a different way. He's still great. You know, it took him a long time to get there. Um, but this could be the case. Josh Jackson might take a really long time to come around. And hopefully his uh, offensive ability, his rather his cutting ability will help him in that in that time when he's not able to really score the basketball on a consistent basis. I think over the summer league, he shot something like, I don't, did he shoot any threes at all? Because I think his, his three point percentage was like 18% or something like that. It was abysmal. 
Um, but yeah, he still managed to score 17 points a game. So that's not nothing. I mean, uh, to your point, Joe, yeah, he, he shot about 18% from behind the arc. But, you know, I, I mean, look at uh, Kevin Martin, right? Kevin Martin had a, a funky shot. Mm-hmm. It's true. I and mean, that, that never really changed, did it? <laughs> no, no. It was, it was it was always a weird half. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he scored somehow. So I, I guess the thing is, like, if if you can get that shot to work for you, then it's fine. You know, if you can get it to go down consistently, it doesn't really matter what it looks like. I think in his case, uh, I think it's going to be easily uh, stopped because doesn't it take, if I'm, I'm trying to remember what his shot exactly looks like, I think it takes a little bit to get off. It's not only ugly as hell, but I think he's shooting like at the side of his head or something like that. And it's just not, it's not a great shot to begin with. So, but yeah, to your point, I mean, it doesn't have to look pretty as long as it goes in, but 18%, I mean, from three point land, it's not not a good, uh, not a good start. No, it's not. And uh, you know, I think, I think we all agree with you, but one of the the positives, one of the upsides Mm -hmm. uh, of Josh Jackson is his playmaking ability. Um, you know, um, in college, I think he averaged close to four assists a game. Uh, so his ability to move the ball and to create for those around you, I mean, whether or not you're creating for yourself or for those around you, that's really going to help. But I think, to your point, this was something that I brought up on the Sun Solar panel, um, both Espo um, and Dave King, my co-hosts on the show, they didn't really agree with me all that much. But what I'm worried about with Josh Jackson is, is something that you mentioned earlier, where it's harder to get a shot off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Phoenix Suns under Earl Watson run the most simplistic offense. Right. There's of no all off time. ball screens. There's no like no. pin downs or anything like that. It's just like it's, get the ball and go, right? It, it's just pick and roll after pick and roll. And what I mean by pick and roll is somebody sets a pick and then the guard just goes to the basket or pulls up. Like they don't even really pass it to the big. So it's just a, a pick and drive, I right. guess, more than more than a pick and roll. And that's essentially what the Suns offense is. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of isolation uh, when it comes to the, the end of shot clocks, but there's not a lot of creativity in the offense. There's, uh, to your point, there's not a lot of drag screens. There's not not a lot of that. There's not a lot of um, uh, dribble handoffs it's basically um, in different ways. A one motion offense, right? You have the one pick and then you go to the room and that's that's it. There's no follow through. I mean, there's no secondary motion happening. There's no kick out on a designated play or anything like that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, there, there might be they might kick it out a little bit, a little bit of driving dish to the uh, the corner three, mm-hmm. um, you know, but there aren't going to be multiple picks off off ball picks that are going to be set to get a guy open. Right. You know, and that and that kind of thing. There are not a lot of guys coming and shooting off the curl, which is something that I was really excited to see with the Davon Reed because it's really where he excelled at in college was coming off the curl. And I thought that the Suns could have done some fun things there. But this season for the Suns, with the Josh Jackson, uh, with Marquise Chris, with some of the younger guys, because they have one of the youngest teams in the NBA. To me, it really comes down to Earl Watson and it's great that the Suns players like Earl Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great that he's popular. I, we all appreciate the fact that they don't have a uh, negative uh, or toxic, I guess is really the word I'm looking for, a locker room, right? That's right. great. That's wonderful. Right. But at a certain point, <laughs> yes, you need to start seeing some development, not just within the players, but also with the coaching staff. Uh, you know, whether or not you're talking about the, the moving the ball and, and the way that the offense works. Um, implementing more of a motion offense, so I'm not a huge fan of that. But you know, something to get to get the ball moving. But um, inbound plays, you know, you have to be able to score every once in a while off of an inbound play. Yeah. 
Um, but I think it's on it's on Earl Watson and it's on the the coaching staff to make the best out of Josh Jackson because to your point he is going to be limited by that shot uh, you can only cut so much when everyone around you is more athletic and bigger yeah so it's on it's on the coaches so you think even if he comes out and has a terrible season because he can't shoot it's not necessarily his fault it's because he's been put in a terrible position by his coach I don't think he's going to have a, a terrible season I think he's going to be one of those players that'll play 20 minutes a game and he's going to give you six rebounds, three assists, seven points, a steal, and a block, right? So he's not he's not your Devin Booker who's going to go out there and average uh, 23, 24 points a game. Oh, I'm really inefficient shooting, yes. Right, but that's, that's not going to be what he does. But the whole reason why the Suns drafted him was to pair him with their future franchise player and Devin Booker. They needed a guy that can switch you know, on the perimeter with, yeah. with a Devin Booker, that they can do that with Dragon Bender and with Marquise Chris and, you know, have uh, some positional flexibility. And, and that's why they have him. So let me ask you this then. Don't you think he gets more than 20 minutes a game just because of his defensive versatility? Just because his, of his on-ball defense? Like, he's pretty good on the defensive end. For his size, he can block some shots. He's very athletic. He can get, he can jump lanes, Right. He's a smart player. He's a very smart kid. Anytime you see interviews with him, he just comes off as like he gets it. He really gets it. And I well, really he made, damn, he made damn sure he was going to go to the Phoenix Suns. So <laughs> I, you know, I got to give him some props well, on, he, on that smart speak thing. Speak to that a little bit. How did you? What do you mean by that? Uh, essentially, what happened was he had a workout plan with the Boston Celtics. Who uh, the Boston Celtics were mid-flight mm-hmm. out on their way to go see him work out in Sacramento and his agent called the Celtics and said, he will not work out for you. Um, Josh Jackson does not want to work out for you. He does not want to be a Celtic essentially, blah, blah, blah. You can draft him if you want to, but he's not going to work out for you because the Suns had promised him uh, a better situation than whatever the Celtics were going to be able to provide. And okay. so he made sure he got drafted by the team he wanted to get drafted by. So, so yes, the guy understands life a little bit at this point. Which is good. That's an encouraging sign. That's definitely what you want out of a young star, right? A young up-and-coming player. Um, that's, you know, that's awesome. I, I didn't know about that. I had not heard that story. I don't know why. I, I, you know what the problem is? I hear all these stories. I hear everything that's going on, but I only have so much brain capacity. <laughs> not like a hard drive. I can't remember everything. So <laughs> I just forget shit. Um, uh, to the point you were making, it is more difficult uh, being a podcaster that covers the entire league to be caught up on all the little things that are happening within teams. And that's why, you know, the season preview episodes with quote-unquote experts um, are handy. I mean, we do them on the, the drive and dish all the time. I can probably sit here and talk about the Raptors for 20 minutes, but at the end of the day, if I bring in a writer from Raptors Republic, they're going to just know more about those little idiosyncrasies. Yeah, for sure. Uh, than, than I'm going to. That's why I have you on, because you know all about the Suns. <laughs> at least, at least, at least to a certain extent. But I think the the only reason why I think he would get much more than 24, 25 minutes a game uh, is whether or not the the Suns decide to play him at the two guard spot. So the, the Suns have loaded front court with mm-hmm. uh, Tyson Chandler and Alex Lynn and Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris and Allen Williams, and they don't have enough minutes to go around. But then you look at their their two guard spot. And behind Devin Booker, uh, right now they have uh, Peter Joke, but he's just a camp invite. We'll see whether or not he actually plays in the NBA. They still technically have Elijah Millsap, but we don't know whether or not he's even going to return. And then after that, you have Derek Jones Jr., and you might 
get a little bit of a Josh Jackson. Those injuries to Brandon Knight and Davon Reed really, really mess some things up. So I'm sure the Suns will attempt to play him some at the two guard. I know that the Sixers were going to draft him. They had talked about playing him at the two guard too. But I think if he does play over 25 minutes, it's going to be because, be because of that. I mean, when you're talking about TJ Warren, I'm talking about a guy that averaged 18 points and eight boards after the all-star break and led the Suns in scoring until he had that mysterious head injury last season. He's also going to be um, working out a, a contract extension with the Suns, presumably, so they have to see what they can get out of him hmm. before they offer him that big contract. I like TJ Warren, too. I think he's a nice player. And I think he's just he has, he has a lot of room to grow. He's, uh, what is he, 24 now? Yeah, he's a young, he's a young guy. Well, I guess that doesn't make him all that young, but no, but still, there's room for growth. I mean, you don't really hit your prime until like 27, right? Mm-hmm. He can score. He's a nice scorer. I don't think anybody on that team can really play defense, so that's where you know Josh Jackson is a good addition. Um, anyways, let's move on to uh, let's move on to your favorite player. Did, did you just throw shade at the entire <laughs> Suns team and just say, maybe, "All right, let's move maybe, on"? Maybe. <laughs> sorry, I know it was a dig. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You caught me. Um, so now I don't dislike the Suns. I'm just like their their defense is awful, man. You can deny it if you want, but you can't. They had PJ Tucker. <laughs> That's true. Um, Tyson so. Chandler, Eric Bledsoe. You would think between those three guys, you could at least have a salvageable defense. So and, yeah, and yet, please let's let's talk about Earl Watson and that defense. Yeah, please. no, it's. I mean, a lot of it has to do with coaching. Some of it has to do with the fact that they sat half their team at the end of the year last year. So, but mm-hmm. let's talk about Devin Booker. Tell me why you got to make the case for me why he's their star of the future, because here's what I see. Now, I like Devin Booker. I think he's a really fun player to watch Um, and he's really young and he can score the lights out, but it's not all that efficient. Um, He was the youngest player ever to score 70 points in a game, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But... We know in doing that, like the team was just trying to get him buckets at that time. They were just he was going for the record. They were like, all right, let's just let's just go. So there was there's some noise in that. It's not like he was it's not like it was really a competitive game and they were trying to get into the playoffs or anything. It just happened to be well, he put up this many, let's get him the rest let's get him this record or get him this He still this, had sixty before they started really Whatever. <laughs> really pushing it. You yeah. know, it's, I mean it's listen, it's impressive. It's definitely impressive. But I I hear people making the, the case for Devin Booker being an all star or, or being like a superstar based on this seventy points a game at his, at, at such a young age, which okay. I get the argument and it makes sense to a certain extent. It does. But like he's not he's not going to take your team to the playoffs by himself. He doesn't play any defense. And his his shooting while he can shoot and he can score the ball, it's not very efficient. So let me give you some numbers here because I know you're a numbers guy. Mm-hmm. And it pains me to look these up. I don't know. But in 2017 among shooting guards, he finished 42nd or 47th rather in true shooting percentage, 51%, right? 59th in effective field goal percentage, 29th in points per possession. So just just so everyone knows, there's only 74 shooting guards in the league. Um, 47th in offensive rating, 36% from three-point, which I thought he actually shot better than that. 36 is not bad, but it's about league average. Uh, most A lot of guys are shooting are like 38, 39, 40% now, which is incredible. A couple of years ago, you would never have heard of this. Um, his... Real plus minus dropped after the All-Star game from negative 2.6 to minus 3.6, probably because he was taking on a bigger load, right? And they sat half the team, so he had nobody to work with. Um, And maybe he was just tired. Um, But I'm just saying for a guy who's supposed to be an offensive genius, it seems like he's a little bit of a volume shooter. 
We know his defense is awful, both on the ball and team defense. Um, he doesn't really create for others. He had like three assists per game, which I guess isn't terrible bad, but you would think a guy who shoots that well would at least open up the floor for other guys. Um, and he's not great at rebounding for his position. I mean, he's a shooting guard, so but he's a big shooting guard. You'd think he'd get a few more rebounds. He was averaging three rebounds per game last year. I'm giving you some really negative numbers, some really negative facts about him. I want you to make the case for me. Help me understand why he's this building block for Phoenix. It's okay. You can take your time. <laughs> There's just so much to unpack right there. <laughs> it's a right? lot. I laid a lot on you. Sorry. Um. I mean, sure. Let's let's talk a little bit about his three point shooting because that's always been, it's always been sort of an area that's annoyed me a little bit uh, when people just rattle off the the three point shooting number. Um, he shot right behind the three point arc. Uh, he shot forty percent on the season. Mm-hmm. It was between twenty five and thirty feet is when that percentage really dropped. And then when you average two together, you get the thirty six percent, which is still above league average, to your point, league average being 34. So it's above, but he's actually a a pretty damn good three-point shooter. He also scores in a variety of ways um, that have nothing to do with with three-point shooting, and he can get a shot off virtually against anybody. The the only thing about Devin Booker that I, and that's something we talked about in the Sun Solar Panel that I really want to um, see him develop a little bit more is, one, he's a really gifted passer, Mm -hmm. and I want to see him use that a little bit more. And to your point, when you were talking about the assists, usually I look at assist percentage. So in 2016-2017, his assist percentage was 16.3. And that's fine. It's all right. It's okay. But not if you're going to be doing point booker, right? So you need to get that a little bit up. But the the reason why that bothers me is his usage rate in uh, his freshman season, uh, his rookie season was 23%. Then he rose his usage rate in his sophomore season to 28%. Right, so he had a five percent increase in usage rate while only increasing his assist percentage by like a half a percent. So there's, you know, he he increased his shots without his passes, and that's right. you know that kind of annoys me. But that being said, I don't actually have access to the amount of passes that he made, right. just the amount of buckets that went in after that pass. Gotcha. So that that can be a little bit misleading. Um, I mean, the guy's twenty years old. He's twenty, mm-hmm. and we're talking about a kid that's already averaging twenty three points a game. Yeah. Like, what more do you want out of a 20 year old? I don't I don't know. We're all I feel like the debate around Devin Booker is this polarizing thing and whether or not he can be your franchise player. We're talking about a a guy that's played two seasons in the NBA. Right. Exactly. My point at two in two years in the league, you guys are ready to anoint him as the king of the Suns, the Suns savior. Like everybody's super high on him. Like, we don't know if this is actually going to pan out. I mean, yeah, if he. If he continues on this path, if he brings up his assists and he start look, starts looking for other players in the court and he's able to um, bring his, you know, his usage rate, bring his numbers up commensurately with his usage rate. Because his usage rate was like really high. Was it like fourth among shooting guards last year or something really high? I'm not high sure. I mean, 20, 28% is pretty, pretty high. Yeah. He was, he was getting the ball a lot, which means he was just looking for his own shot. You're right. He's a nice passer. He has the ability to do it. I don't know why he's not. It could be because he doesn't trust his teammates. We know that team is was pretty much garbage around him last year. <laughs> and again, they sat half the team for, like, he didn't have Tyson Chandler in the middle to, to you know, make an, out, an outlet pass to. 
Um, there, there wasn't a lot for him to work with. I understand that. And there is definitely offensive potential there. Um, I worry about, but again, he's 20 years old, so he also has a lot of room to grow. If he can figure out how to play, at least try on defense, he could be a really great player. Um, I think you're giving his. I think you're beating him up just a terrible. little. It's terrible. I, uh, just a little <laughs> bit on the on the defensive end. You're you're beating him up, I, and not that I don't agree with you that his defense isn't good, but to make the claim that he doesn't put forth effort on the defensive end, that's. Tim, that's the part I don't agree with. Here's the thing. Defense, half of defense is trying. That's it. Mm-hmm. You, you're just putting your body in the right position. Half of defense is trying. I don't care if you're terrible at defense as long as you give it effort. He, he doesn't do that. Like, his defense is abysmal. Um, and, you know, that's fine. If you're going to save all your – I mean, it's not fine. But if you're going to save all your energy for the offensive end, you better be really efficient at scoring. And he's, he gets buckets. He definitely gets buckets. But right now, he's just a one-dimensional player for me. And I like him a lot, and I'm hoping he grows. I'd like to see him be the future star of Phoenix. Don't get me wrong. This is not slander. I'm not saying he's terrible. I really like Devin Booker. I just want you to make the case why he's, why he's got the superstar potential. What do you see from him in the future? Uh, I just want you to back up the hype is basically what I want. Tell me why you're such a fan, man. Tell me. I, I, I don't believe that Devin Booker is the next coming of, of Kobe Bryant, but I can tell you that whatever it is, right? Like Devin Booker's got it. Okay. Um, the, the kid is absolutely going to, to be a star. He's, I think he was, um, as far as players that average 20 points a game by his age, he's in great company with like Kevin Durant, uh, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, and uh, I think Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm or the other players on that list. And so at the end of the day, basketball, yes, you play it on both ends of the court. So there's offense and there is defense, but it's all about uh, who scores the most buckets. And and that is one thing that Devin Booker. So let's say worst case scenario with Devin Booker is that he doesn't improve. And what we got last season, which is a reasonably inefficient uh, 23 point uh, a game scorer. Mm-hmm. And that's all he's ever going to be is he's going to average 23 points a game until he turns 30 and then that'll slowly go down, right? He's still got a damn good player. That's true. Yeah. That's Let's, good, and that's imagine imagine if you were the Sixers and you had drafted Devin Booker instead of Jalil Okafor <laughs> in that <laughs> draft. <laughs> that's that's a dagger to the heart, my friend. <laughs> and I know that's why you're upset about it because I remember that draft and I remember everybody saying, but best player available, but best player available. And everybody being like, yo, Sixers, you guys got like four centers. Yeah, I mean, that pick is really ultimately the reason Sam Hinkie is no longer in Philadelphia. But whatever. You got, you know, you win some, you lose some. Hey, listen, man, Okafor lost a lot of weight this summer. He's apparently in the best shape of his life. He's going to be amazing. Not at all. Um, do you, I, you want to make a trade? trade. Yeah. Yeah, You you guys got to trade him. I'll give you Brandon Knight and, uh, we'll take back jaw. That's, uh, I'm not a big Brandon Knight guy. Also, he's injured. Yeah. yeah, He's out for the season. So it's basically, he's out for the entire season. Uh huh. With what? How do I not know about? I thought it was just like a couple month injury. No, I believe he tore his uh, ACL. um, Oh, you're right. In one of those uh, pro AM games. I forgot about that. My God, see this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to cut that part out so I don't look stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you aren't supposed to keep up with every injury that happens, but no, I mean that's why that's why this season. 
uh, is already starting out such a mess for the Suns. I mean, not even that Brandon Knight is this great player, but you know, Brandon Knight is a guy whose his values never been lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does. He's not a good fit with the Phoenix Suns, and the only thing that's going to be redeemable about the longest contract that the Suns have right now in Brandon Knight is if he could at least be a competent player that if they threw in a couple of second round picks, some garbage team would take. And now, now not only is he a garbage player, he's a garbage player under contract through 2018, 2019, coming off an ACL injury, who hasn't played basketball in a year and is making $17 million a year. So that that was really unfortunate for the Phoenix Suns. Then they draft a three and D guy, a a guy that they can put next to Tyler Eulis, that they can, put next to Devin Booker that there's some fun things that you can do with him. He doesn't require a lot of shots. He played four years ball and, in, in uh, Miami and, and Davon Reed and it just a really complimentary player to what the Suns needed. Cause to your point, I think they all realize that they didn't play very much defense and Davon Reed ends up, you know, with an injury. And so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to start off the season that way. Devin Booker is going to get a lot of minutes, uh, you know, we're going to see some Derek Jones Jr. at the two two guard spot. We're going to likely see some Josh Jackson, maybe even some TJ Warren at the two guard spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, it's you know, it's the the season's not starting out the way it was supposed to. And I kind of took your what you had asked me about Devin Booker and went off the the side to it. But my broader point is, even if this is everything we get out of De- Devin Booker, that we still have a damn good player. And honestly, for Suns fans, like that's all we got right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. But no, it's, yeah, you're right. You're right. And no, he is a nice player. Again, like if there's nothing else, if he only ever is this guy and he only ever makes 23 points a game on really efficient, inefficient shots, he's still fun as hell to watch, man. So you need some reason to tune in, right? Well, he, he could, he, his, even if he is only the third best player on a championship team. Yeah. Like, you it's know, that's good. fine. It's still Everybody good. needs a Clay Thompson. So, True. Uh, we, <laughs> well, come on, don't even put him there. Clay Thompson is amazing on defense, but I I get what you're saying. He's not the same player. Yeah. yeah. But you Devin need... Booker can dribble the ball though. That's the the difference between the two. You forget that Clay Thompson can also dribble the ball. I mean, have you have you seen him? Well, I, well he doesn't need to. All right, this is not a Clay Thompson <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Uh, so it's, all right. One more it's, question. It's like Danny Green. Have you ever seen Danny Green dribble apart from like the one time when he took it to the basket? That dude does not dribble the ball ever. I'm not sure he knows how. It's well, really impressive. That's that. If you don't need to do it, why would you? You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, one more question about Devin Booker. He was ranked mm-hmm. 64th, and I know this is this Sports Illustrated. I can go by the Sports Illustrated one instead of the ESPN one because I listen to the you know the Open Floor podcast and Ben Golliver is really you know really good. Um. And he knows what he's talking about. He talks. He puts a lot of effort into these rankings, whereas I don't think ESPN does. I think it's more just for shock value. Anyway, they have Devin Booker ranked at 64. What do you think about that? Do you think he should be higher, or do you think he's appropriately ranked? Well, I, I so I looked at this, right? Go ahead. And I was – the only reason you should say he, he should be higher is if there's people that are – ranked above him that you think he should be ranked higher than, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm taking a look at this list. And so you have Devin Booker at 64 ahead of him, George Hill, uh, Trevor Reza, Ricky Rubio, J.J. Reddick. Um, uh, you know, the, Clint Capella at number 58, 
eh, you know, it's yeah. slow down a little bit. <laughs> uh, Gary Harris, and I, I love Gary Harris. Gary Harris is one of my favorite young shooting guards in the NBA right now. I love Gary Harris. Look up his efficiency compared to Devin Booker. It's going to blow you away. He's also he's also a slightly better defender, yeah. but he also wasn't asked to do nearly as much. That's true. Um, as as Devin Booker, um, and so I, I I love Gary Harris. I, I think that he's a, he's a great player, but I think that Devin Booker's a better player. I think that Devin Booker's likely a better player than Otto Porter. Um, I think that Devin Booker's a better player than Harrison Barnes. But once you start going a little bit lower on that list, I can't make the case that uh, that. Devin Booker is better than CJ McCollum or better than Bradley Beal or uh, better than Kimball Walker. I mean, the, the farther you go down. So it, it's not an egregious list. I think there's a couple of players I'd rank them above. But I mean, at the end of the day, that still puts them like instead of a 64, it's 60. Right. Right. And I, I think what you're talking about right there is like um, it's national coverage wise, like he's way more popular than some of those other players. Right. So it would instantly make you think that, oh, he's got to be up higher on that list. At least this is what I'm this is what I think. Right. But that's not necessarily true. The other guys that are higher on the list above him are guys that do other things besides, well, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just saying like they have a more well-rounded game. And again, he's only 20. So he's got room to grow. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. I really have no point here. <laughs> I, I think you're just mad because the Sixers still don't have a shooting guard. <laughs> that is not true. They have JJ Redick. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Kevin Rape is over at the Drive and Dish podcast. He was so excited about the signing of J.J. Redick. And I like J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick's a fine player. Mm -hmm. But anybody that watched the Clippers last season, you could see J.J. Redick, his arms are a little bit stubby, right? He's not really able to keep up with those longer athletic younger guards. Um, you know, he's a, he's a 12 point a night scorer. Nothing wrong with that. He's a good player. But mm -hmm. I feel like some Sixers fans really, really, really uh, overvalue the addition of J.J. Redick. I'm going to do this. I'm the biggest Sixers fan you'll meet. Probably, well, maybe one of them. One of like two other guys that you work with. Yeah, I've, I've met some pretty big Sixers <laughs> yeah. fans. Uh, I'm already over the hype, man. I'm like, J.J. Redick, if, they, if the Sixers had not picked him up, I was happy they did. They needed that guy. They needed him on their team. They needed him to like take a another step forward this year. And it's a one-year deal, too, uh, which is great for you guys. It's perfect. It's a perfect deal. Uh, mm -hmm. Honestly, if they hadn't got him, I still don't give two shits about J.J. Redick. It's like, he's fine. He's an older player, and he's he should be here for one year. And let somebody else come in and, and you know, maybe Mark Helfoltz will move to the shooting guard position. I know he's supposed to be your point guard, but if Ben Simmons is really handling the ball, you know, he's going to be off ball a lot. Anyway, we're not doing a Sixers podcast again. Although, every time I talk, it has a little bit to do with the Sixers. I'm a fan. Um you aren't you aren't the only Sixers fan that does that, by the way. Yeah, I know. I'm dude. I'm really starting. I'm like, I'm getting fed up with all the it. Where were all these people? Like when the process was happening, everyone was like just crapping on the team. And listen, you're welcome aboard. I totally get it. Yeah, I I love you know having a team that could be potential potentially special, right? But to date, they've done absolutely nothing. So let's just temper expectations just a little bit. This is like number one Sixers fan saying this. Ben Simmons has not played a regular season game. Markel Fultz has not played a regular season game. And I question his IQ. Uh, that's mean, but I'm just saying. <laughs> you don't know. And Embiid can't stay healthy. So as much as I love to see these guys, you know, 
get all this hype and the hype train is is chugging i'm i'm just a little bit leery of the whole thing but well i I think you should be too and that was something that going into the regular season last year i remember hopping on a a podcast with a bunch of people that were it was a round table podcast Mm -hmm. and some guys that were much smarter than me mm-hmm. much much more involved in the there, nba than there i am is no one tim stop saying you, yeah. you're being modest uh-huh <laughs> um but like you know some experienced uh basketball heads that were on this uh this round table and everybody but me made the case of why the timberwolves were going to make the playoffs and i was like i realized that this core is great but you don't go from not winning mm-hmm to winning all the games in one season. That's just, it's, that's not how it works. And I, you know, I wish that I had some stats in front of me, but you can look at specific teams and you'll see that, you know, they made a one season and you would like Philly made a huge jump too, right. From, from the season before to, to last season, I think it went from what, like eight to 27 games or something 10, stupid like that. 10, 10 to 28. So a, a 17 game. 18. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, okay. So a, a 17 or an 18 game a win uh, increase from the season before which is essentially what you guys will need to do to make the sixth or the seventh seed mm-hmm. um, in the playoffs and the likelihood of a team doing that is so small most of the time you know you win 24 games one season the next season you win 28 and then you win 31 and then you win 36 yeah. and then you win 42 well, you know and that's the trajectory I'll say this. I might be wrong. Maybe last the two seasons ago might have been an 18 win team, but whatever. They did have a 10 win season in there. I think two seasons ago was 18 wins. Then they went to 28. So it's a 10 game improvement. I'm going to say this um, about comparing the Sixers to the Timberwolves. And I know there's a lot of that happening right now. They're like, everybody's like, oh my God, you know, the Sixers are going to do exactly what the Timberwolves did. I think the reason people are so hyped on the Sixers, even when the Timberwolves, when they had Carl Anthony Towns that first year, and we all saw what a transcendent talent this kid is, right? His talent was not equating to wins. There was potential for them to be really special if everything came together. When you saw Joel Embiid take the court, he, every time he played, he took their defense defense from a bottom 25 in the league to a top five defense. He took their offense from a garbage offense to like a top 15 offense in the league. He turned an absolute garbage team around him into a legitimate playoff contender in January. Like, I'm not kidding. And that's where all the hype comes from. But if Embiid is not healthy, there, there's no playoffs. There's not. I mean, maybe Ben Simmons will be extra special. We don't know. I have, I have a feeling he's going to be really great. But, but still, Ben Simmons is a rookie. He's, you know, he's, he hasn't played a game. So anyway, I think the, the comparisons, while fair, aren't exactly... Um, one-to-one because, again, Embiid, Embiid has shown when he's playing, if he can stay healthy, he's already a top 25 player in the league. It's insane. I've never seen anybody like that. Have you? I mean, to what he does specifically, no. And I, I love Joel Embiid. I mean, I, I love Joel Embiid so much that if he's playing, I'll watch the Sixers. And you hate and, the Sixers, right? <laughs> and, and I don't hate the Sixers. I, I find them a compelling team. I just I get tired of listening, talking about them all the time. Happy to do it right now. No, but, I mean I don't, you, you know, know we don't have to. I have I have a coworker and a guy that I podcast with that just doesn't shut up about the Sixers. Mm-hmm. So I get tired of that. But when Joel Embiid is playing, I watch the Sixers and I enjoy it. But if he's not playing, I just had zero interest in in watching the team. 
but that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean that my subjective opinion is, is you know, what this team is. And, and because Tim doesn't enjoy watching that all of a sudden they aren't good without Joe. Like I love Robert Covington, for example. Yeah. I think he's a great player. Um, I don't really like Ben Simmons all that much, but maybe Ben Simmons will change my mind. I don't know enough about Mark Elpholtz. The, the invisible number one pick. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody does. He got so overshadowed by Alonzo Ball. Anyway, listen, we are so far off topic. I didn't mean to turn this into a Sixers podcast. I apologize. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's good. So you want to you want to talk about Dragon Bender? Is that? Yeah, that was gonna be my next question. So will Dragon Bender a will he improve this year and b will he stay healthy? Because I know he had an injury last year that took him out for a lot of the season, and I I feel. I was a little bit worried about the hype coming in for him last year. Everyone was talking about he was the third best player in the draft. I was a little bit worried because I, you know, I'm not a professional scout. I just know what my eyeballs tell me. Um, and I, you know, I, I didn't think he was necessarily worth the hype. I thought he was definitely a top 10 player in the draft, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't totally sold on him and he came in and he didn't have a great season. Do you think it's just like first year jitters or like he just didn't understand the system or coming from, uh, where was he? Where did he come from? Uh, Croatia, Croatia. I believe. Oh, look at the puppy. What's his yeah. name? Yeah. Uh, her name's Sophie. Her, her. I love mm -hmm. Sophie. That's a good name. Yeah. So, and the, what she likes to do when I'm podcasting is she likes to walk around and make tons of noise. And then if I put her outside the door, then she claws at the door ah. the whole time. So I, I haven't found a, a good solution to this, but, um, sticking with drug and bitter, cause I know you listening to your headphone right now, don't give a damn about my dog. But with Dragon Bender specifically, um, he's a really raw talent. And to your point, Joe, he was injured for a, a large portion of the season last year. Then when he finally hit the court, it was late in the season. He had that deer in the headlights look. Um, he was really good in summer league. Like mm -hmm. he was really, he was doing the things that he needed to do in summer league. This summer and league. so this this past summer league and Suns fans were really happy to see it. He looked great. He looked better than Marquise Chris. He looked way better than. Uh, Alex Lynn, who actually, Alex Lynn, people kind of crap on him a bit. He's a fine defensive center. I'm not going to give you anything else, but he's mm -hmm. a fine defensive center. And he looked he looked like that versatile stretch four, stretch five uh, player that that the Suns really need on that team, especially given the fact that they're, you know, last in the league with the with assists on that team. And they run such a basic offense that we talked about on the show already. And then he played international over at, over at Eurobasket. And it was a little bit hard to tell because he was – in most of those games, he was only uh, playing about 15 minutes a game, and he was their start. He wasn't their starting center. He's playing the the center position. In some of those games, he would get like one, two rebounds, and then he did have one game where he played close to 30 minutes. And and I can't remember who they were playing against, but it was um it was a game that didn't matter. Mm -hmm. So he was he, he played a ton of minutes on that, and he ended up with a really nice stat line. He ended up grabbing seven boards, uh, which was pretty good. So. When you draft these players that, you know, think of like Nicholas Batum, you know, uh, that he's Nick, Nick Batum is going to get you four rebounds and four assists and a steal and a block and, and 14 points a game. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be all star stats, but it's the type of player that a team needs. And I think that that's the type of player that Dragon Bender will ultimately be is is that kind of stat stuffer and that guy that does all of the little teams for all the little things for a team without ever being the guy that does you know specifically one he's never going to grab you 15 to 20 rebounds like Tyson Chandler he's never going to score you 30 points a game like like Devin Booker uh, likely will be in the in the scoring um, race next season scoring title race next season and 
So I think he, he has room to grow and he'll be good, but people just need to understand what kind of player he is. Right. What what posi- what number was he drafted? Sixth, I think. Fifth. I believe that he was he was fourth. Was he fourth that high? I I believe he was fourth, and Marquise Chris was eighth. Now it's scary about the Marquise Chris thing. So I personally I think Marquise Chris is a good player. I think a lot of people do. Um, watching Eurobasket, the Suns had to trade their number twelve or thirteen pick plus their 29th pick in the rights to um, Boyan Bogdanovic mm-hmm. uh, with Serbia. And Boyan Bogdanovic was going to come over this season. And uh, I tell you what, watching him in Eurobasket, he's about to head over to the Kings. Uh, Marquis Chris better be damn good or else Suns fans are going to be really pissed off about this trade. Well, it's the thing. You never know about these things, you know, until they play out. <laughs> <laughs> And we don't know now, you know, no. um, Bogdanovich could just be a, a, a one level player watching him in Eurobasket. It doesn't look like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> and you never know, like Marquis Chris, uh, you know, he didn't start playing high school until he was uh, or playing high school, playing basketball until he was high, in high school. So he could end up being um, an above average rotational power forward that yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, you never really know from from one season, but oh, that's that's going to be a tough pill to swallow, man. Yeah, I think I think Marquise Chris has some upside. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, it might not be a great trade ultimately, but we'll we'll see. Good yeah, luck. We'll see. we'll see how that works. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it is better than trading Isaiah Thomas for Brandon Knight and Marcus Thornton. You think? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, so they don't have a great track record when it comes to trades, huh? Oh. Some trades. Goran Dragic, the Suns got like three first-round picks out of this Goran Dragic stuff. Yeah. You know, the, the Steve Nash fleeced, fleeced the Lakers. And there's been some other some other examples of some good trades. And there's been some bad ones. Yeah. That well, being said, I, I went back and I read Matt Moore from CBS Sports he, when he graded the trade initially. Mm-hmm. And what everybody said was, look, Isaiah Thomas wasn't a good fit. And they got Brandon Knight, a guy who was almost an all-star in the East, who has a ton of potential as a combo guard who they can fit into. The, like everyone thought it was a win-win. It was an okay. Yeah. It, it wasn't. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, it certainly was not. Oh, man. Listen, get, we're, we're veering off the path here. Um Speaking of trades, though, do you think Bledsoe gets traded this season? I don't know, man. I think that if Bledsoe was was going to be traded, he would have been traded already. You know, the the point guard depth really around the the NBA is incredibly deep right yeah. now, and there just aren't a lot of teams that need a point guard. You know, I'll say this: in, I, I'm a Bledsoe fan, and I feel terrible for him being stuck on this team. He just didn't they sit him. You at the hate that. You hate this team, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 you guys, no. You guys are garbage. Your best player is garbage. No one plays I defense, and I feel bad that he has to sit there making $18 million a year. All right, let me, let me, yeah, right. Uh, let me qualify that. He's he's a really good talent. He's a really good player. He's got a lot of talent, and he's just lost in that team because they're not ready to play with him. He could right. he could be a playoff like caliber. He's a playoff caliber player. A couple mm-hmm. years ago, before he got injured, and even last year, he was still really good before they shut him down for mysterious reasons. Uh, oh, was it, was it was, mysterious or yeah, was it draft ball or lottery balls? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, he was really good, man. That year when he was playing with with the. Uh, 
Goran Dragic. Thank you. God, I'm yeah. gonna cut that out. Uh, I mean, he's been, he's been really good every year. He's he's a he's phenomenal been. talent. But you know, there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of teams that need a point guard. He's under contract for another two years. He's not a bad player. He's he's not uh, you know bad in the uh, um, he's not uh, toxic in the locker room. So why not just finish out the contract? Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm all about trading him if you can get something for it. But I also one thing, and not to bring it back to the Sixers, but one thing that always really bothered me about the Sixers: look, you guys don't have a point guard. You do now, great. But one of the things that helps you evaluate talent and makes the the players around them better is a good point guard. So Nerlens Noel would have been better with a better point guard. Robert Covington, all all of those damn guys would have been better with a better point guard. Absolutely. And it would have helped make sure that those guys don't build bad habits. And so at the end of the day, if the Suns end up with a high lottery draft pick going into next year, it looks like the top five picks are all power forward to bigs. They aren't going to get one there. there's free agency in the future. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I don't, I don't know that they, they trade Bledsoe and we've debated it a lot on the sun solar panel, but I don't, I don't think they do. I don't think they pull the trigger. I, yeah. And you're right. At this point, I think just keep him around. He's still a really good player. I just feel bad for him personally that cause he's at that level and he's not getting any younger where he could be really valuable to a playoff team. And I really mm-hmm. like him and I really like his game. And I just feel like I'd like to see him on a team. This is just personal. I'd like to see him on a team challenging for, for something. Um, but he would have been really good on the Cavs. Yeah, he would have been really good on the Cavs. Uh, oh. oh well. So what are you saying? Yeah. You would have you would have liked to had uh, Kyrie over there? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, there was there was an interesting trade proposal though that involved Eric Bledsoe going to the Cavs with the Suns getting Frank Nealakina and um, the Knicks getting Kyrie Irving. I don't really give a damn where Kyrie Irving goes. I just don't want him on my team. Ooh, ooh, that's hot. <laughs> I'm with you, but that's hot. <laughs> He's a fine player. He can't be your best player. No. And so it, it depends where you are. If, if, if your team is at a point where you have uh, what Boston had, where they had a Gordon Hayward and they had an Al Horford, sure, add Kyrie Irving. That makes some sense to me. Yeah. Right. But what the hell is he going to do on the Suns? Yeah, exactly. Well, he's going to do exactly what Devin Booker does and just shoot, shoot, shoot. Right. <laughs> and, and having two of those it. guys and then neither one of them play defense, you would you would easily had the worst defense in the league. It it would have been you know they basically do now anyway. But it, it would have, it would have been a terrible it would have been uh you know terrible pairing in the backcourt. Teams having control of the players' contract situation for eight years is so valuable. Oh yeah. Um, you know, that's that's really that's that's all you have as a team is is, you know, do, do you want essentially Josh Jackson for eight or do you want Kyrie for two? And that's sort of how that um, would have played out if, if Josh Jackson would have been involved for for that for that Kyrie. And apparently that was the only thing holding up the holding up the trade. Well, in that respect, they're smart because I would rather I would personally much rather gamble on Josh Jackson for eight years and see if that shot comes around and see if his you know defensive potential is legit and see if he really can play make for other guys and, and his athletic ability and everything he brings at such a young age. I would definitely take that over Kyrie. It's like the Clippers, you know, with uh, with with Blake Griffin right now. Blake Griffin's great. Mm-hmm. What the hell does he do by himself? Yeah. You know, how, how good is your team well, when, when Blake Griffin's leading it? And he's a great talent, but you need other players around him. Yeah, I mean, there's the case to be made that, like, Blake is is better as a creator, and he hasn't been able to do it with, you know, CP3 there for so long. But whatever. Mm-hmm. The, the, we're, we're talking about every team in the league except for the Suns right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, it, but it, it's all encompassing, and yes. it all, you know, uh, it all wraps it all around 
um, with that. So I know you also wanted to know what the, I was the season gonna, I was just going to ask. I was just going to ask. <laughs> coming back full circle. I know you're tired. We, we, uh, don't worry, buddy. I'm letting you go soon. What's your season no, wins total no, prediction? I, I'm I'm not tired at all. Um, but <laughs> you're like uh, I'm tired of this conversation. <laughs> no, no, just trying to stick with the Suns. <laughs> Uh, what's your season wins total prediction? Uh, it's just, it's, it's so, so Vegas has them, uh, I believe at 28.5, right? I think that's correct. Yeah. I'd have to look it up. Go on. <laughs> I, Here's the thing. Go ahead. What's the thing? Is that it all depends on Earl Watson. The only reason why the Suns didn't win any damn games last year is because Earl Watson decided to rest all of the quality starters after the All-Star break. <laughs> but if he hadn't done that, you might not have Josh Jackson. Right. I, right. I'm not. There's a give uh, and know, take. I get it. Yes. But if he hadn't done that, the Suns would have won 35 games. Come right? on. Last year, 35 yeah, games? Yeah, they, they probably would have won 35 games if if they, you know, maybe it would have been 33, but whatever. We're in the ballpark. What was that, your season total last year? 24? I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't very good. But it was You're everything. You're telling me 10 wins. They're getting 10 extra wins just by not sitting those guys. Tim. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know absolutely. what you're smoking right now, but you should put it down and walk away. <laughs> they, were, they were running out. Well, for one, there's teams that are tanking at the end of the season. So you're going to get some wins there. Um, for two, they were rolling out like that. That was the that was what they were on pace to win with how many they had won leading up to the all-star break. That was what ha- where they would. And they would have ended up being the sixth or the seventh pick or something like that and missing the playoffs. So that's about where they would have been um, in theory if they if they would have done it. So then you look at the team this year and you say, well, what are what's uh, Earl Watson going to do with our with our vets? Is he going to run out Jared Dudley? and Tyson Chandler and Eric Bledsoe for 40 minutes a game. And is that what we're going to see out of this team? And if that's the case, they'll probably win 32, 33 games. Or are they going to go full hashtag the timeline and, you know, uh, run Tyler Eulis out there for, for 35 minutes a game, rest up Eric Bledsoe in case you got to trade him, make sure you don't ever let uh, Devin Booker leave the court and do some funky things with the lineup where you have – um, a Dragon Bender at the five and maybe a Josh Jackson at the four and uh, a TJ Warren at the three, you know, and maybe some point booker with, um, uh, you know, with uh, some some uh, Derek Jones Jr. out there playing the two guard spot, actually, uh, but defending the point guard. And if that's the case, they're probably going to win 20. Yeah, right. But we don't know because we don't know because we have no idea what Earl Watson is ever going to do. Right. Yep. <laughs> so I guess I'm taking it you're not a Watson fan, like almost everybody in the NBA or around the NBA. Yes, he's a nice guy. He's fine. He's. I look at it that we're developing a team. That means we're also developing a coach. But if it, he he's got to improve this year. When we were doing our season outlook for the Suns on the Sun Solar Panel, is what's one thing you want the Suns to improve? What what player? Any? What is it? Mm-hmm. Coach. The coach. My pick was a coach. It's coach a, all about the damn coach. Make this offense better. Make this defense better. Um, stop playing Tyson Chandler 30 minutes a game. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> well, speaking yeah. of what you want to improve most, what, what's the one thing you're lo- most looking forward to this season? 
Uh, the battle for the battle for for starting small forward. I think, like you, I've always been a big fan of uh, of TJ Warren. He's one of my favorite players on the team. He led the Suns in scoring to start the season to end the season. He's had some bad luck with some like weird like toe injuries and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he didn't have a concussion last year. He had something. They never actually said what it was, but this weird head injury. Uh, he was behind PJ Tucker for so long when he was first drafted by the Suns that he never really had that chance at just a full healthy season as a Suns starter. And I want to see Josh Jackson. I want to see him earn those minutes. I, I'm not one of those guys that says, you know what, he was drafted number four, so we have to start him. No, we don't. Yeah. If if he doesn't earn him, <laughs> you right. know, you don't. Um, I, I I but I want to see that battle play out, and I want to see both guys prevail. And I don't even know how that's possible. Um, <laughs> but that's. And I think like you, I'm just, I'm excited for basketball. I'm excited to, instead of talking about basketball as a concept for the last three months, mm-hmm. some actual basketball. I mean, sure, the WNBA playoffs are going on right now. And sure, that's been exciting. Yeah, we got Eurobasket. Um, you know, there, there's been some pro-AM stuff. Uh, you know, I got to watch some AAU basketball in, in person this summer. But some actual, you know, are the Rockets going to be any good? Yeah. Um, are people sleeping on the regular season Raptors? Uh, when the Suns play the Sixers, when they host them in Phoenix, we're turning it to the timeline day. We're going all in on the marketing on this thing. Uh, we have some emails sent out to, to people in the Suns organization to make this. I don't care if the Suns win two games next season. I, know. I just want those two games to come across against the Sixers, and we will do it. Why do you hate me, man? Why do you hate me? I, I, I just, <laughs> I just want to beat the Sixers so bad. I know. I don't really understand why the Sixers specifically, but I know I've seen you tweet this before. I was like, "Oh, you son of a!" <laughs> I mean, I mean, whatever, it's fine. I mean, like you want your team to win. I mean, I want my team to beat yours, right? But right. why specifically the Sixers? Why the hate? Is it just because <laughs> Kevin Rayfuse and <laughs> yes? <laughs> oh, all right, that's fair. It is. It's just having. I want my. I want my process uh, to be better than your process, and that's <laughs> that's all. That's all it is. You well, know, I'm 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 as petty as Kevin Durant. You know. Here's the thing. I will, I will say this also. At least the process happened organically. The timeline feels a little forced to me. Just a little bit. Just. Just saying. I'm not all about the the timeline, man. Who came up with that? Who's who's was that? Espo. Uh, yeah, it was a conversation that Espo and I were having. Um, somebody else actually called it the timeline, and then he, he then he hashtagged it the timeline, and then we pushed it out on the Sun Solar Panel. Mm. So he came up with it, but I like to include myself because I was a part of the conversation. We were batting back and forth ideas because we really hated the hashtag We Are PHX. Mm-hmm. That's not very pretty. Good. No, it's it's pretty weak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the timeline might be a little bit better. <laughs> I, I think it's good, and it's you know it's something that's really grown organically within the the Suns fan base. Uh, you'll see it everywhere right now. You even have the general manager Ryan McDonough who's talking about the timeline, and I, I think it's been good for him because he doesn't need to make a knee jerk reaction to get the Suns into the playoffs. Just you know, I, I don't need the Suns ever to be the Portland Trailblazers, and you know, God bless them and their fan base. It's great. Mm-hmm. I don't want that every year. I think the Sixers didn't want that every year. That's why you know you guys went here. Your your full rebuild. You were try, tired of being the eighth seed and kicked out in the first round every yep. year without any hope. For the last twenty years, yep. Right. I've Jeez. been I've talked ad nauseum about this. There's no worse place to be in the NBA than smack dab in the middle, man. It's, it's right. It's, it's it's purgatory. It's you awful. can't 
It's, it's like when the Suns were drafting 13th and 14th every year, and I'm like, oh, God, stop. Yeah, exactly. Just do one thing. <laughs> do one thing. Either get better or get really bad. Just give me hope for something. Exactly. But I don't need you to tank as long as some of these other teams are tanking. That's the thing. So, like, now with the Suns, is I'm like, all right, you've, you've had a couple of, of high picks. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you've hit on a couple of them. You've likely missed on a couple of them. Which but every you've team had, does, right. Right. You had your chance at the lottery. Now go start winning games. I, I don't need it. And that was really when it came to the Sixers, what bothered me about them is how long they tanked for and the way that they tanked and the fact that they were drafting injured players. It's, And that's that's I think that's where it bothered most people too, though. That's fair. I think it was the unapologetic nature of what they did. They actually haven't been tanking all that long. Look at an organization like the Magic. Yeah, it's four years. It's four years. Four years is a long time. But in those four years, you've, we've, you know, we've had some really good things to root for. We've had more lottery balls to root for. We've, but the, you knew that they had a strategy in mind and they weren't veering from that strategy. And that's what made it bearable. A lot of teams, they'll get in the middle of the thing and they'll be like, oh, we're a joke. Two years in and you, you pull the ripcord and you stop what you're doing and you just end up right back in the middle because you don't have the desire to see it through or you don't have the foresight or you can't take the pressure from the league, which ultimately happened to the Sixers too. They brought in the Colangelos and pushed Tinky out. But, you know, in that time, they were so bad that they actually got some really good picks. We're not talking about the Sixers again. But look at the Magic, man. They've been doing the same thing. They've been worse for so freaking long. I can't remember when the last time... The last time they had a good team was when they had Dwight Howard. And Dwight Howard has been gone for, what, six years now? Seven years? Also... His career is sort of over, too. I don't care what anybody says. Um, he might be all right in Charlotte. Uh, we say this about Dwight Howard every year. <laughs> He's going to be great in Atlanta. He's going to be great in L.A. He's not going to be good people. He's not right. a good player. He's, just, he's, he's just a not, jerk. He's, <laughs> he's fine. You know, for, for, for what he is, he is fine. He's a fine player. He's under a good contract. Uh, you know, they'll see if uh, Steve Clifford can get something out of him. I think that he probably can. I think he's good for the team. The team didn't have any wiggle room, any flexibility. Uh, but, you know, that being said, like Cody Zeller was also really damn good for him last year, too. Right. And he's going to take Cody Zeller's minutes now. And that's right. But as long as they're winning, you know, I, they're they're an organization that wants to win some games um, that's invested into their talent and that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and so and they're going to land smack dab in the middle. <laughs> But, you know, for some teams, that's I mean, look at the Grizzlies, for example. Uh, And there's there's nothing wrong with just being a good team. Not you aren't going to be the Warriors and you aren't going to have LeBron James. Um, Most teams, you aren't going to be the Spurs, you know, so if you don't have that, but there's nothing wrong with putting yourself in a position to if. If the balls bounce the right way, at least you have a chance of hitting them, right? Right. Yeah. But just but just don't be eighth. Yeah, don't be eight. And also, we do we need eight teams in in the playoffs? Nah, not really. I need do six. That'd be good. <laughs> what is what is who? What is compelling about the first round between besides that four or five matchup? Three years ago, the first round was really competitive. It was great, but that was three years ago already. We haven't seen a good first round playoff series in all in three years, and uh, right. we don't need it. We don't need it. The playoffs are already way too long. I mean, they mm-hmm. go for three months, man. It's it's too much. You get into the middle of it, and you're like, I don't know what else to talk about. We've been talking about right. this for like two months now. I need to go to bed. It doesn't. It doesn't end. And 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 yeah. then what they do too, and this makes me so mad uh, with the finals specifically, is they'll put them like on a Thursday night and then a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. 
and skip Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. This last year was the worst. They, it was the worst schedule this year. <laughs> like, what were they thinking? <laughs> I can't watch a game at if, at least if you're going to do a Sunday game, make it a damn day game. Yeah. I can't watch a game that starts at eight o'clock at night on a Sunday. Who do you think I am? What do you think I do for a living? Right. Consider us, man. NBA, please consider the little guy. A Friday, not every game, but one of them. Yeah, yeah. One would be nice. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Let me watch one game. Anyway, man, uh, we've been going for a while, so it's probably fine. Um, I'll let you go. Yeah, hour hour and 17, so we should, you know, that should be good. Well, cool. Thanks for having me on your your show, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Anytime, man. Uh, Why don't you plug your stuff and I'll let you go. Oh, sure. Well, if you want to hear more Suns talk, you can find the Suns solar panel anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you want general NBA talk, you can find the Drive and Dish podcast. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Radio Tim NBA. And if you just want more information about me, you can go to TimothyDavidTompkins.com. Very nice. You have such a good radio voice. Thanks. Do you do, do, you do this for a living? Ah. Uh, <laughs> The radio voice, I don't actually pull out in the podcasting realm all that much. The the radio voice, the voice is much more forced. Oh, really? Uh, more bombastic and, and things. But I think when people are listening to podcasts, that uh, getting your natural tone is probably preferable. Mm-hmm. My wife keeps doing this thing to me now where she's like, you have podcast voice right now. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's my, just, it's my voice. She's like, no, you're talking like you're on a podcast. I'm like, I want to, like, it's no, this is my voice. This is how I speak. She's like, no, you're doing podcast voice. She's just using my podcast against me. See how she is. Um, At least she listens to it. No, she my doesn't. Lady, my lady doesn't listen to mine. She, she, she won't. And then she, then she wonders why I don't talk to her about it. And I tell her, it's because you don't show an interest in my life. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, do you listen? No. Well, then you don't. That, why would I talk to you about it? Yeah, exactly. But I, I think she listens to yours if she knows what your podcast voice is. No, you know what she does? She's like, I'm like, I'm like, babe, did you hear the, did you hear the podcast this week? It was something really funny on it. And she's, she's like, I, no, I hear when you're talking. Right. <laughs> She's like, I don't need to listen. I hear you talk sometimes uh-huh. yeah, from the other end of the apartment with the door closed. Cool. You get everything I'm saying. Uh, it's fine. Well, this is this is her alone time right now. And so she doesn't want to have to spend more of her alone time listening to you. I mean, <laughs> exactly. that's, that's all it is. I don't blame her. I wouldn't want to right. listen to me either. Anyway, Tim, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, everybody, that was Tim Tompkins. And I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.